Matt Poole, a.k.a. Tampa Bay Book Fan, and I can't do anything without my game genie, my um, cow, the human cheat code. What's going now, on, everybody? Excited to be here again for another battle. Yeah. This, it, last week was so awesome. Friday was awesome, was it? Yes, I can't wait to see these guys grudge. So, yeah. see what happens. Yeah, um, and I hope none of you have um, any – or just say so you know, erections win the match, okay? Oh, erections yeah, win. They win. It was proven in the <laughs> last episode. Probably the last episode, you'd know what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, you know what we're talking about. Yeah, you know. But uh, anyway, uh, if you're not wondering what is the show, like, what is the show? Well, if you didn't see the last show, you already know what it is. But if you hadn't seen, this is your first time watching this show, well, this show is, uh, what we do is take four competitors, three competitors, Put them in the fight, put them in the gauntlet, let them fight, and then only two come out alive. And then after that, they go into a head-to-head. -head, head -head. We ask them a question, winner take all, and only one come out alive. So let us go and introduce you to the fighters. Let's start with Tom the Road Raider. Zambino, what's up, Tom? How's it going? Excited to be here. Tom, I want to know something. What got you into gaming? Uh, what got me into gaming? Well, I, my dad building PCs for me as a as a kid. PC Master Race Four was cool, by the way. And he gave me a game that was probably pretty inappropriate for an under ten year old. And I really got into Doom when I was a kid. So big first person shooter guy when I was young. Yeah, Doom was pretty violent. That's pretty messed up, man. Anyway, let's go to the next person. Let's go to Kim Hanley, the person who basically kicks my butt every time I'm on the Tech Podcast. Kim, go ahead. Hey, hey how's it going? Uh, hopefully you're not going to hold that against me tonight as I try to kick butt on this show too. Um, yeah, just real excited to give this a go. Uh, there's no grudges. There, Kim, there's... The no only grudges. grudge is the grudge. I'm like, it's, yeah, it's yeah. literally the name of the show. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 there are grudges, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, we got um, – so, Kim, what got you into gaming? Um, well, I, I got into it as a little kid. Um, I have an older brother. He played at first, and it just sort of trickled down to me. Um, we had an Atari way back in the day and then moved up to – NES, I was always a console kid. I didn't get into PC gaming until much more recently. Um, so it was NES and then Sega Genesis, uh, N64, GameCube, PS2, PS3, Egg 360, the whole shebang just worked my way up through the generations. Um, so yeah, that's where I, how I got into it. And, and I'm not sure old episode, you never touched E.T., right? Because we all hate E.T. here. No, I never, I never climbed into that hole in the ground out in Arizona to dig out a copy. I would just let that uh, let that lie. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. It don't exist. We just admit that. Uh so and then we got my buddy, my boy, my best friend in the whole wide world. Mr. Scott Sadick, Chewbacca Defense. What's up, Scott? What's going on guys? Thanks for having me on. Oh no, it's our pleasure to have you on. Um so what got you into gaming? I mean, I've just I've had consoles for you know most of my life. Just, I think the first one I remember having was Sega Genesis. I got really into Sonic 2. and you know I've just been playing games ever since. 
Okay, okay. Sonic 2, not bad, not bad. Okay, people, um, I just want to let you know, um, people, this, once again, this is live. Um, if you want to know, um, go tweet us, at, tweet at us at GG Gamer Live. That's GG Gamer Live. Go tweet, and we're going to send some polls out. Um, so, um, anyway, is everybody ready? Everybody ready to go into the gauntlet? Sure. Let's do this. I guess okay. so. You roll. Roll into the gauntlet. Into the gauntlet with you. Go into the gauntlet and fight. Roll. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Let's go with question number one. And question number one is: Pitch us a gritty, violent reboot of a bad video game. And ladies first. Let's go ahead and start with Kim. Um, well, I, I missed the, the bad part of the question somehow. Um, so I chose Ocarina of Time for okay. Zelda for the N64, which is not a bad game by any stretch of imagination. But um, you want me to roll into the pitch, or do you want to circle around first? Let's circle around first. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and go with Tom. Tom, what is yours? Uh, for this question, I went with a dark, gritty version of the Spectacular flop, No Man's Sky. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Um, Scott. <laughs> uh, I went with the little-known PlayStation, the original PlayStation game, Spawn the Eternal. Okay. All right. So we got Spawn the Eternal, um, Zelda Ocarina of Time, and No Man's Sky. Um, <laughs> um, Cal? Yeah, I'm ready to keep time. Yep. All right. Uh, Alakagrudge. Let's go, people. Okay, so Ocarina of Time is well-established to be a phenomenal game. It was, it's a cornerstone of the Zelda franchise across all the different generations and things, but as Zelda's progressed, they've never really taken it into really dark territory. They With Twilight Princess, it got tonally a bit darker. It was a sort of a counterbalance to Wind Waker's very whimsical cell animated days. So they took it in a darker tone, but the world itself lends itself to this sort of violent, gritty, you know, it's swords and shields and magic and just violence. It's toned down because Nintendo favors younger demographics, but the core story of Link trying to rescue the princess and defeat evil and you know there's demons and all these different temples and puzzles to solve and things and if you you know keep the core elements that makes Zelda Zelda but dial up the violence to where he's really slashing through these different monsters and things instead of just you know rolling and hiyahing you really ramp it up you have the opportunity to give people something different in the franchise and really sort of separate it from you know the old school two-dimensional top downs and um the more childish renditions that they've done um you know the most recent one is very deep in terms of story but it's still totally very kid accessible you want to give the fans that have grown up over you know decades of zelda something that they can really sink their teeth into and get behind okay Tom, keep going. Uh, no, Tom? 
All right, so when No Man's Sky came out, everyone was expecting a vast world where you can go explore, find various planets, and then they got exactly what they were promised. And you know what? Everyone complained that it was way too boring. So you take this premise of No Man's Sky, this massive multiplayer world of various planets and ships and crews, and you crank up the pain. You give everyone what they want which is space battles, which is land battles, which is violence. Not only will you be able to not just fly around ship-ship, be able to join with your friends onto a crew, onto a ship, but you'll also be able to, you already have the landing mechanics, you're going to have land combat now. So we're going we're gonna to harken back to the Starship Troopers, because who says these planets are uninhabited? What if there's a huge race of bugs? What if you want to er eradicate the bug menace? You can do that in the new, in what I would call Universal Wars No Man's Sky. Why do I put a preface in front of it? Franchise. <laughs> Scott? Okay, uh, now Spawn the Eternal, it came out in 1997. Uh, I believe it was only for the PlayStation, and it's a pretty straight up, like, you know, beat em up. The whole game, you're Spawn. And you're just like going through different cityscapes, which are all exactly the same. I think at one point you go to hell. And in between the walking, you fight some dudes in like a subway station and some heavy metal music plays. Now, the game I would pitch would be a lot more similar to something like uh, God of War. So you have a lot of the gritty violence that you have from that game. You can already use, you can use uh, Spawn's cape as a weapon, which in Spawn the Eternal, you only get when you're in a fight, but it never actually does anything. And uh, the, the game itself, considering the source material, is relatively bloodless. So this game would amp that up to 11. You get uh, an incredibly faithful adaptation of the Spawn series in a video game, which we haven't really seen before. Okay. All right. Find out, people. So with Spawn... I have one small counter to your pitch of, I'm glad you specified the 97 game, because they did, in fact, bring out a more gritty, M-rated version of Spawn called Spawn Armageddon. So, kind of already exists. Yeah, but it was a different... It, this game, obviously, would be very different, too. But this would be more in line... The, the gameplay would be a lot more similar to... God of War, which, as we know, is a successful franchise. So just implementing Spawn into that type of arena, I think, would give this property a major boost. And as for your guys' games, I would argue that neither of them are bad. I say No Man's Sky did exactly what it set out to do. It created a vast world where it's about exploration, and it's not so much about conquering worlds and things like that. And Ocarina of Time, I think, the entire Zelda franchise, I think, because of its childish tone. I think making it gritty, you might as well just play like Shadow of Mordor. So, yes, No Man, like I said, No Man's Sky brought exactly what was, delivered exactly what was promised. And you know what? People realized they didn't want it. It got a lot of negative reviews upon release when it first came out. There's a reason for that. There's a, there's a massive backlash when it came out that people thought it was too boring. And that's why we're adding in the, the elements of planetary combat and conquering, because that is what that is what is successful these days. 
See, but the, the complaint about No Man's Sky being boring wasn't with the gameplay itself. It was with the fact that he under-delivered on promises in terms of the complexity of the worlds. The worlds were sparse. You could land on a planet and encounter two, two types of plants, maybe an animal, and oh look, there's like a crate that I can open. That was what everyone was flipping out about. That the, you know, sure, I can go to 30,000 worlds, but all 30,000 worlds are these six templates. They're very sparsely populated. There's nothing to do on them. And then. And now you, and now you have something to do on them. They are inhabited just, with various races. You can. Yeah, just massacre, attack. just commit genocide planet to planet. Just, just travel the universe, wiping species out of existence. I, I don't think that's a, the kind of game that people are going to get behind in that franchise. People wanted to explore. If they wanted ship-to-ship combat, they would be playing EVE and just generating credits so they can go off and have those epic space battles. They don't need No Man's Sky to abandon exploration and abandon that more, um, you know, th those sort of elements of the game to make it interesting. You just have to give them enough to explore like, yeah. and, and then they can run with it. You also have to be able to interact with each other, which No Man's Sky didn't have. There was the, the thing where at launch, three days later, two people were standing in the exact same spot and they couldn't see each other. And everyone went, hey, I thought that wasn't, I thought that wasn't supposed to be a thing. So there's be, you're talking about having people like crew up and interact, and that's an entirely new feature set that doesn't even exist in No Man's Sky despite being promised. So I don't... I, there, there's a big stretch in there. And as far as Spawn goes, we have games that have taken what Spawn's mechanics would be and given them to us in a much more effective way. Like, we have God of War. We have Prototype, which would be all of his um, suit-based weapons, would be the same kind of thing as the ones that are genetically mutated out of the lead character in the Prototype series. There's a lot of this, and the open-world combat and things. The original... Spawn the Eternal was part Tomb Raider, part Mortal Kombat, because you'd go through these maze-like, very basic city areas at the beginning, and then you move through like an Egyptian zone, and, a, and eventually you wind up in hell. But they're very just maze-like over the top of each other, and then you bump into a character, and it goes into a traditional health bar combat sequence. And it, like even if you say, well, I'm going to throw all of that out and give you God of War with a Spawn overlay well, I'll just go play God of War. They're coming out with the... There's the one that now with the Norse theme. That's going to be pretty phenomenal. I don't know if I need to go play a Spawn overlay of God, the God of War franchise. Well, I'm kind of glad you brought up the new God of War because the new God of War is supposed to take on a different type of format than the old God of Wars have been. So a Spawn reboot now would actually be perfectly fitting. It'll take over that void that God, the old God of Wars have left and the new God of War can exist on its own terms. And, and this new spawn can, you know, adapt the character in a way that we haven't seen before, you know, done justice uh, since the HBO cartoon. And Ken, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that there are many games that exist like Scott's Spawn pitch, because there are many, many endless games much like you pitched with Zelda, only not called Zelda. You can just go play Skyrim, you can go play any other vast RPG game, you could go play, like you said, Shadows of Mordor, and go play a dark, gritty RPG. You don't need to bring Zelda, which the magic of the franchise has been the fact that it was kind of that upbeat, 
kid-friendly RPG. That is kind of the shtick of Legend of Zelda. Yeah, they build in a more serious time. 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 All right. Um, I want your final arguments. Uh, but um, here's what I want. Um, Kim, I want you to tell me why Legend of Zelda... Um, what what would what would benefit from it being gritty and violent? And Tom, I want to know from you what No Man's Sky would be gritty and violent. And Scott, what would the same for you? I want to know what would make it, what would benefit from it being in this route. So I'm going to start with Kim, like I did the last time, the first time. So Kim. Okay, so the the major benefit of producing a Zelda game in this direction is that it's going to re-energize the fan base. You have, you know, everyone still gets excited for Zelda on a nostalgia basis. The games themselves are solid, but it's starting to retread old ground. They just keep, there's some new mechanics here and there, but it's retreading. If you give, you know, an M-rated Zelda game that the fans who have been here from the very beginning can just sink their teeth into and really just reinvigorate their energy for the franchise, then Nintendo can sort of, you know, keep the younger generation coming up on the core Zelda games that we're all used to and we all enjoy, and you give the older fan base something that they can, you know, stay really just sucked into the world of Zelda and stay invested in the, the intellectual property. Okay, um, I'm gonna go with Tom this time. Tom. Okay, your your question was how would no the version of No Man's Sky be gritty and violent? And I believe Kim actually said it quite best. You're you're basically committing you're gonna commit genocide. So whether the planets are inhabited, you're gonna take them out. You get to battle various ships and various soldiers. Like I said, and I didn't bring up landing parties, but yes, landing parties are going to be a thing. Planetary bases. And whether that's a negative or not, I would point to the success of every war game that's come out. Every The success of Doom last year, you make something monstrous enough, people are going to enjoy mowing them down. Okay. All right. Uh, Scott? All right. Well, just with the source material alone from Spawn, you can see where violence is inherent to the character. Uh, you're going to have a lot of, like, cut scenes to... Uh, remember the old Punisher game, you're going to have like those old cutscenes to those gritty, violent murders that you see in there, Spawn just doing something creative. Also, just in the background, you're going to be in hell at certain points. You're going to see people being tortured in the background. There's going to be a lot of violence, a lot of room for violence in this, as opposed to like No Man's Sky, which is more about the exploration instead of the violence. You're, you're changing the entire uh, reason the game exists. And Ocarina of Time and the Legend of Zelda series is supposed to be a lighthearted romp through a fantasy world. Okay. Um, great one, great one. Uh, Cal, Human Chico, what you got, man? Fat chicken? I, th it, was, it was very clean, I think. I didn't see anything wrong. I, but this was a, oh, man, this was a good first round. I can't believe all of them yeah, had yeah, great yeah. points and everything. Um, just the way you guys like knocked each other's arguments down too. That was very well done by all of you, I'd have to say. And actually, I would also want to add that I'd probably want to play all the games you guys pitched because, you know, who wouldn't want to play those games? Um, I think I think Kim did like probably the best job of like knocking down other people's arguments and also trying to boost her own. And it was a hard, like aspect. Like how hard, you, yeah. for like Ocarina of Time, but like 
the only bad part of her thing was the, the question asked a bad game. And Ocarina of Time is not a bad game. But, like, you did your best with what – I guess you already had your set answer, so you did your best yeah. from what to do, you know, from what you had. Um, so that was my critique of that because it wasn't a bad game. Um, for Tom's game, like, I, I just knew it as a huge failure. Like, it was a huge failure of a game. Mm -hmm. When I hear it, like, it, it just – it's, like, um, bombed totally. And, like, his – kind of pitch for it i think would probably maybe even revitalize that game in itself making like starship troopers and doing all this other stuff that's pretty cool and for scott i mean like i love those like like i like the spawn games so I, I mean i guess it was considered a bad game but i enjoyed that game and and to make anything like god of war like you got me into that too so i mean those are two both both really bad games so i mean to go with the actual question like they, 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 they were, those are like in the lead for me because they went with the actual question but for argument's sakes i think Kim won the argument's sake, but I mean, you have to go with the question and answer as a whole, so it's how you go from there. It's up to you. Mac. I got you. Um, what are they saying on what they're saying in the chat or Twitter? Nothing right now? Oh, they're, they're, they're just giving props to everyone for, like, their um, arguments, like, saying, like, what, exactly what I said, like, you know, they're, they're giving good counterpoints to each other, and everyone's saying it's a good fight, so, I mean... I haven't been able to go on Twitter. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I'm, I'm trying to do like all this fact checking on Twitter, and then like we need a third person. Yeah, I know, some, I know. We need to on the grassy knoll right now. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> we're we're okay. We're, we're you're doing good, doing good, Cal. You're doing good. Uh, as Cal said, yeah, all great fights. Uh, uh, let me start with Tom. Tom, I love what you said because I played no. I remember all the things about No Man's Sky. Uh, I kept hearing the the hype of it, like, this is going to be the ultimate game. This is going to be the ultimate adventure game. You're going to go to planets. You're going to be able to explore the X-ray. And then it was a big, giant whop of nothing. <laughs> so I understand what you're saying. Um, and I agree that maybe adding a certain element to it would make it better. Uh, Kim, I agree with you 100%. A dark, gritty move on Zelda Ocarina of Time would be great, but the only knock against you that I actually found out just now is Breath of the Wild is sort of like that, because there are some gritty, dark stuff in Breath of the Wild where you're actually slicing the, um, you're actually slicing them to death, you're actually cooking the meat, you're cutting them down and you're killing them, because I did play Breath of the Wild, and it, it, it there's some moments where it just actually get a little bit dark. Um, but nobody brought it up. Nobody brought up Birth of the Wild, so um, I understand that. Um, Scott, I love what you're saying. Um, it's a dark, gritty reboot. Spawn, um, as Tom said, Spawn Armageddon was good. I looked at the gameplay for your game. It is very, very bad. It is terrible. I, I, I just was like, um, okay, you walk into the station, and then it's like Mortal Kombat, and then you're fighting them. And I was like, what the heck? what the heck? What's going on? So uh, you both knocked down Tom very well. You knocked down Tom. Tom, I'm sorry, they knocked you down. Uh, they got you with the fact that that's what it was supposed to be, and they didn't deliver. And what you're trying to do is just commit genocide. And if you want to commit genocide, you should have played another game, not this. And that's what it wasn't delivering. So you did knock them. Y'all both knocked them down at that point. I agree with what Cal said. Kim did get the better argument. And, I, I, and I'm and i not going to take what the bad or the good or whatever. 
but I'm taking the argument into question. Yeah, Kim came up with a better argument, but I gotta go with I gotta go with um Scott because Scott did kept getting back on. He kept getting on the stool saying, you know, it's taking over from something that was not done, which was God of War. So for this one, I gotta get this to point this point to Tom. Oh, not Tom. Um, <laughs> to Scott. <laughs> Uh, so uh, good, good fight, y'all. Good fight. But ju- just for Twitter sake, now I'm checking it now. Uh, we did get a 50-50 split between um, Tom and Kim. No one actually voted for Scott, so he's 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 breaking. He's going against the the grain here and taking the point. Yeah, yeah, I'll take yeah, it. I, I, yeah, I, I, I really, I, like I said, I love all your pitches, but I, I literally was writing this down as I went through, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is gonna be tough. And then I just kept writing this down, and I was like, yeah. So yeah, Scott get the point, but good, good first round, everyone. Yeah, that was actually a very solid first round. That was really very solid first, first round. And I would definitely play all those games. Yeah, I would too. I play all those games. Um, I honestly probably played Tom's game the most because I had no interest <laughs> in No Man's Sky until his pitch. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Tom, that was a good first. You did good, Tom. All right. So now with that over with, um, what they're saying on the Twitter, what they're saying on um. I just looked at the um, poll. I can't. I, I can't like find everything, but I'm. No, okay, let's see. I don't. I had the poll, and my other thing is not coming up. So, all right. I don't think the poll is well. <laughs> I don't think the poll is done. So, um, people were were working on the poll, but uh, you know, that, that was a good first round. Um, so. We'll work on a poll later. But how, what they're saying on um, what they're saying on the uh, chat. Oh, now I gotta switch my thing again. Hold on. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> what they're saying in they're chat. They're just saying Tom. that they should unite all Toms. They they like the genocide thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what sold me, man. The genocide thing. Yeah, yeah, the genocide was good, but the, the fact that they kept bringing it up that. <laughs> They kept bringing it up that it wasn't Let's meant stop for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So, uh, all right. Let's go to question number two, which is this is the this is the doozy, everyone. Um, what is the best RPG of all time? I guess all time. <laughs> All right, and I'm going to start with Tom on this one. So, Tom, you got the floor. All right, leading with this guy. Do you, are we going around the horn again real quick? Yeah, just give your Around the horn, then you grudge, and then you have final arguments. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. So what I picked of this, of this vast array of RPGs was what I like to refer to as the RPG of the people, and that is Dragon Age Origins. <laughs> okay. Um, let's go with, ooh, uh, let us go with Scott this time. I'm not a huge, uh, RPG player, but I had to go with the obvious answer, Skyrim. Okay. Kim. So I went with, uh, Skyrim's bigger, badder, so much greater, older brother, uh, Morrowind, the third Elder Scrolls game. Okay, all right, all right. Um, people, we're gonna have a Twitter poll. It's under GG Gamer Live. Under um, it's under GG Gamer Live. It's under my Twitter. It's under my Twitter. 
um, go there. Um, that's what I'm telling you this right now because that's what we're going to be doing. And uh, Cal, are you ready with the timer? Yes, sir. Let's go. All right. Let us grudge. I guess we're just going in order again. So I'm just going to jump yeah, right in into order, it here. Sorry. <laughs> I'll just jump right into it here. So I mentioned RPG of the people because Dragon Age Origins not only has a lot of fun side quests, a lot of fun uh, downloadable content, but also has a really good, really strong, really tight. Oh, I apologize. Are you going with the PC or the PS PlayStation version? Doesn't matter. I'm, inclu I'm including them all. Okay. All right. All, Go ahead. All inclusive. So it's so not only do you have fantastic downloadable content and expansion packs and great side quests with fun non-playable characters, but you also have what a lot of RPGs tend to lack, which is a really tight original story or a really tight main story. A lot of them you have to end up diverting all the time, going this way, going that way. But for those who want to do that, that's, that's fair. You can do that as much as you want in Dragon Age. But some of the best parts of it are just plowing through the main story. You can ignore the side quests if you want. I've, play, I've done playthroughs where I just ignored the side quests. Sure, they help, but that's the benefit of Dragon Age is the cooperation between your party. You get great chemistry. You get great relationships. You build relationships between your party members, and you progress through the story as, as, a, as you're building a team. And that's what I love about Dragon Age. Okay. All right. Let's go with um, Scott on this one. Scott, you're next. Well, Skyrim is such uh, an incredibly interactive game. You can interact with so much in this game, unlike you know many games you've ever seen before. Uh, it also takes a lot of what was done in the older Elder Scrolls and perfects it. It makes it better. Uh, this is the only one of these games that is on the next gen and the the graphics make it so that you can just immerse yourself in this world. You don't even need to be playing the game. You can just wander around. And that is really like the epitome of a role-playing game. You're just in the world. So you can do the side quests. You can do the main storyline, which is also great. It's a classic, you know, chosen one type storyline. And, you know, you get some awesome powers. And it's also there are dragons, which Morrowind doesn't have. Okay. Kim? So Morrowind is it's so much deeper and richer than Skyrim could ever hope to be. Um, you know, Skyrim's one of the major complaints with Skyrim was, oh, the capital city is like this big. It's got 10 people in it, where there was villages in Morrowind that were more densely populated and had more going on. It felt like it was a living, breathing place that you were visiting, Sky where Skyrim completely lacks that. There is elements, you're not, you know the dragonborn chosen one. You're just an adventurer fresh off the ship, new tomorrow and exploring the land. The depth of characters when you interact with them, there's no voice acting. Everything was text-based for Morrowind. But that gave them the freedom to really give you depth in these characters. They would explain backstory and the side quests had real substance and meaning to them. You had to be willing to read it. You couldn't just listen to them ramble on and on, but it was there. You could, when you read the books, the books really had content in them. The characters had content to them. And the game gave you freedom, the likes of which other games don't, especially RPGs, and in particular, something like uh, Dragon Age. You know, Tom had mentioned that it was 
it's a very tight story. You can plow through the main, the main plot if you want to. And a lot of RPGs will let you do that. But one of the best things about Morrowind is its freedom, its flexibility. You can go anywhere and do anything, including break the main quest, which is something that you can't do in most RPGs. If you go off on a tangent and wander off into the countryside and you kill the wrong person, you get a note telling you that you have irrevocably broken the main storyline. If you want to finish the game, you're going to have to go back to a save before you killed that person or you completed that action because you've, you've literally broken the main plot. That's the freedom that they give you to explore this world and do anything with it that you can, you can literally tell the game designers, no, I don't want to finish the game that you intended me to finish. I'm going to go and do this and this other quest and join these guilds and, and what makes it even better is that the you can't just god mode your way through Morrowind. There's storylines and side quests that are mutually exclusive to each other to the point where you have to play through the game multiple times with multiple specifications. You have to specialize as a thief, as a stealth archer. You have to specialize as a tanking warrior, as a, as a mage to complete the different guilds and really explore everything the game has to ha has to offer. It's easily hundreds and hundreds of hours of core gameplay. Not just rambling off into the world and getting lost for three days, like real functional questing gameplay. It The last estimate that I had read was 5,000 hours worth of real completable gameplay to get through everything with the proper specifications and the proper races and classes and explore the entire map and do all of the dungeons with their multiple levels and verticality that a lot of the newer games lose because they just plow through, they give you a linear dungeon to navigate, whereas Morrowind was, if you go in and you spin in a circle, you can get lost and you can spend 45 minutes trying to remember how to get back out because they're designed to be labyrinths and, and difficult to navigate. Okay, um, grudge it out, people. I would say that the text-based aspect of Morrowind hurts the immersion, where whereas the, the voice acting allows you to, you know, to hear these characters' voices, and hearing the characters' voices, I think, is kind of important for uh, allowing yourself to fall into the world so you know what these characters are, so, like, you know, if the character's off screen, what's the what's the text gonna say? Like, and yeah, it slows down the entire uh, the proceedings of the game. You're just you have to stop to read, and then you can get back to the game itself, which is uh, one of the complaints that you could have about Skyrim, also, where you're choosing the weapons and the, the magic, mm -hmm. where you have to slow down the gameplay. But that further that's that's in order to further the immersion in the gameplay, whereas the that's the further along uh, a story or a quest, which isn't always necessarily what brings people to RPGs. Right, but voice acting has its own immersion limitations. I mean, how many times are I used to be an adventurer until I took an arrow to my to a knee? <laughs> <laughs> it, it came up. It came up so often. That arrow to knee injuries are dialogue not over and over and over to the point that it became an internet meme, just mocking the lack of diversity in the in the character dialogue. So. You know, there's yes, voice acting is more immersive because it's how you would really interact with a with an NPC. They would talk to you, but it has its limitations because they can only put so much original dialogue in. Whereas text, they can give you volumes and volumes of text 
that if you want to read it, you can. If you want just the basic story, you can get that too. And what also was nice about uh, Morrowind over Skyrim and especially over Oblivion was the map system. In Skyrim, it used Oblivion's basically magic GPS. They gave you waypoints on a map so you knew exactly where you were supposed to go for your quest and how to get there, and this is where all the cities are. And with Morrowind, when you got a quest, they gave you directions. Like he's, It was go north past the city until you reach this tree and hang a left and go up the, the beaten path toward into the, into the valley and find the entrance to the cave. Like You actually had to follow like directions you got to keep track of the map and navigate like a real adventurer in a new land would have to you can't just hit pause and go okay i'm just going to go up a little bit and then i'm going to hop over this mountain with my horse for 10 minutes even though the hills like this i can make that work like that's it's so much richer of a story to have to really be an adventurer how i don't understand how it's a positive and how it's a plus to the immersion in the story to be able to get lost and not have a fast travel system to be able to take you to places quicker, not know where you're going, that getting lost, that's a time suck, basically. And well, there, like there's, say, there's fast, fast travel systems in terms of city to city, but it, it was contextual to the world. If, if you're in certain cities, there were um, stilt striders, just like very, very tall creatures, massive legs that you could board and take you from one capital city to the next, but then low-level navigation was still on foot making it happen. There, you couldn't just, you know, you in Skyrim, you can literally drop, like, a GPS marker, and it'll navigate you to it. Like, that, it's not something that a warrior in a Nordic environment would have available to them. Like, it, it does, I don't know, it, it sort of pulls me out. And you also mentioned that the that the NPCs are are rich and vast in Morrowind, but that's actually that's one of the complaints of the game is that the NPCs seemingly have no life. They they have no real backstory, and they seem to forget about you a lot of the time when you re-interact with a specific NPC. They're like, oh, we're happy to meet you, even though you just met them maybe like a day or two ago. So the NPCs really aren't that interactive with the magic text-based interaction over Skyrim. Now, I haven't played Dragon Age, but from what I can tell, just from the, the little bit of research that I've done, is it seems like it's very similar in a lot of ways to the Skyrim, to the Elder Scroll games, uh, it's particularly Skyrim, just not quite as polished. In what which, way? It just seems a little bit more clunky than uh, than Skyrim does. Just the the, the gameplay that I've seen. Well, I it, the, the the problem the problem with Dragon Age is that it's basically Knights of the Old Republic, but in a fantasy okay, setting. That's that's the Kotor was a great game, but it had its issues. And you're taking that that core engine and integrating the combat style from Baldur's Gate, where it's quasi real time, quasi turn based. You're jumping between party members. There, it's it's very messy in terms of that gameplay. I, I, you dropped most of the alignment system that made previous Bioware games really interesting to play. There's minor bits where choices you make influence the world. Like you can affect who winds up becoming king and things of that nature. But the real 
core alignment system sort of dropped off to the wayside. They, they kept very minor little bits and pieces of it. And, you know, the there's some uniqueness at the very beginning with each race and, and certain combinations of classes giving you a different origin arc, but then you're all right back into the same straightforward narrative that just, like you were saying, you just plow through it if you feel like it. You just plow right through it. And, like, that, I don't know, that just seems a lot weaker when you're talking greatest RPG of all time that just falls short. I mean, if you want time. party in time. Sorry. All right. Um, all right. Great arguments so far. Y'all are doing good. Uh, all right. I want to know on your final arguments why. I, I, I'll argue against theirs, but you can do it at the end. I don't care. But tell me why your game is the best RPG. And I'm going to start with Tom. Okay, like I say, it's, it's the best RPG because it is the RPG of the people. Because you can go through these immersive side quests, these immersive non-player characters, and you can, you can immerse yourself in the massive world that it gives you, or you can just go straight through the equipment, straight through the quest. You can do either one. The combat, I didn't get a chance to counter that point, is not clunky at all. It's really smooth on both PC and on and on the PlayStation. It's really it with quick with quick switch. You can quickly switch from your mage, from your tank, from your ranger. You, you quickly switch. You can use quick attacks both on PC and on and on the console. And once you get once you start to get the strategy correct and be able to coordinate your correct attack with your now formed party. It's incredibly smooth, which I'll finish, is actually an, a common complaint for Morrowind is that the, compa the combat is incredibly clunky and unvaried. Time. All right. Going to go with Scott. Scott? All right, well, Skyrim is just such an immersive game. You can play it for hours and hours. People play it years and years later because you can play it for so long that you don't even experience the entire game. You can play through the story so many different times and it can take so many different ways. Uh, the, the character designs are so much better than in uh, Morrowind or Dragon Age. You get, you get a lot of variation, whereas in uh, some of these other games you may not get quite as much, which allows for more immersion, which is what you want in an RPG. Also, in one of the DLCs, you can fly a dragon. Okay. Kim? So Bethesda is one of the kings of RPGs. Their two biggest franchises are Elder Scrolls and Fallout. Morrowind is the measuring stick by which these games are measured. When people talk about Skyrim, it's compared against Morrowind. Oblivion is just kind of ignored because it was a mess. Morrowind <laughs> is the defining element of the Elder Scrolls series. It's something that they strive to emulate. It's so beloved by fans that there's an effort to port all of Morrowind into the Skyrim engine so they can re-experience the quality gameplay of Morrowind with the beautiful graphics of Skyrim. That effort is well underway. That's how much Morrowind means to Elder Scrolls fans. They want to keep this game alive in a, in a way that they can continue to play it in newer and newer generations of, of graphic engines. So, you know, it's 
it's going to be timeless because fans will make certain that it remains timeless. Time. Time. All right, Cal, what you're saying in the chat, and are there any facts to check? They've been completely clean. I don't want to say what they're saying in the chat yet because I don't want to influence your opinion, so I'll wait till you, you vote, and then I'll go to that. But they've been clean so far with what they've been saying. Okay, what do you think? I mean, I really wish I heard more from Tom about his game. Like, I feel like he didn't really get to say much, and when he got to say his game, I feel like, I don't know, like it was just shut down really quick. So, I mean, unfortunately for Tom, I didn't really hear anything about Dragon Age. When it comes to um, Scott and Kim, you know, they both had uh, Elder Scrolls games. I, by the way, I want to preface by saying I've never played any of these games, never played any of the Elder Scrolls, never played Dragon Age either. Um, I've always heard a lot about Skyrim because, you know, they dragons in it, and everyone loves dragons, especially in the world of, uh, you know, Game of Thrones and all that. And I'm, I'm sure uh, um, Tom's game has dragons, right, because it's called Dragon Age, right? So I'm sure it has dragons too, but um, I'm sure maybe Morrowind has dragons too. Who knows? But... Um, when it came to, for me, it came out to Scott and Kim, and I feel like Kim's just so much more passionate about her game, and she had like great arguments. And she said, like, I think she sold it when she said, um, Morrowind is is the measuring stick for all the other RPGs that you know, especially in the Elder Scrolls and Bethesda line, I guess. Um, so for me, I think Kim took that one easily. All right, okay. Um, like I said, great fights from all. Um, man, y'all making this not easy. Uh, that, that's that is kind of the idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, with Dragon Age, I agree. Let me start by telling you, telling you each of you. With Dragon Age, I agree. It's a game. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm trying to. I'm gonna make this quick. Dragon Age. He kept saying this for the people, and I looked at the gameplay, and I was like, I was waiting on somebody to take it down with another game, and because uh, Scott said something about um, I don't know what exact game he said that it was like. But when I saw the gameplay, Kim, Kim says about like it's like naturally old republic. I think that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what Kim to was me, Kim said. That. Kim said that, but to me, when I looked at the game, it looked like Dark Souls. Um, I'm just gonna be honest with you. It looked a little bit like Dark Souls. I might be wrong, but it looks a little bit like it. It may not took all the liberties from it, but it does look like Dark Souls. But Kim did take you down by saying it doesn't look like that, and I agree with what Cal said. They didn't give you enough. We, I wish I heard a lot more from you, but they just kept pounding you, man. So you're not down in this one. So and, and can it be called the, the people's game if The Rock doesn't play it? Nor yeah, I yeah, The Rock well, doesn't play it. And I don't play it. So. I say game of the people, not people's champion. The people's champ doesn't play it. It can't be the game of the people. Yeah, it can't be the people's game. Personally, the people's game is Mega Man Legends. Um, the people's RPG game is Mega Man Legends, but that's another fight. Uh, so it comes down between Scott and Kim. Uh, Scott, there's dragons. You get to ride a freaking dragon. But Kim was passionate. She was so passionate about this one that I have to get this point to Kim. So Kim... You finally got a point. Oh, Yay. Yay. I, I, I'll tell you what. The, the first time I irrevocably broke the main storyline in Morrowind, I lost my mind. I could not <laughs> believe that they I had a game that would let me break the story. Like They, they were just like, yeah, you weren't supposed to do that. We let you, but you weren't supposed to. Go back and try again. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so for, for, I'm, just, for Twitter, I'm just so glad that round's over. 
Yeah. <laughs> for Twitter and the, the, the chat, the chat was blowing up about Morrowind. They were saying, like, Morrowind's one of the greatest games. There was a lot of hatred for uh, Dragon Age. Um, so, I don't like, like RPGs. Okay? I don't like RPGs. I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah. And when it comes to the poll, 50% of people voted for Morrowind and 25% voted for Dragon Age and 25% voted for Skyrim. So, it went. Mm. Wait, uh, so, where's, the, where's the fourth option? You said 25, 25, 25. No, I said 25, no. 50, 25. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought I heard. Yeah, you at least got 25, Tom. <laughs> well, actually, I made it on the board this time. Yeah, no, Tom actually had a vote. I was worried about Scott not getting a vote again. And I think, I was, I'm like, did, Tom, did Scott go vote for himself at the end? I'm not sure because it came up at the end. So I'm not sure about it. We got to make sure. Sorry, that, I didn't. But Scott finally got a vote, yes. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, you won the first round, Scott, so it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter what they do. It's, matter what, it's about the arguments. It's not about what you like, okay, people? All right, let's go to round three. And the question is, oh, goodness gracious. What game should Hito Kojima, Hito Kojima make next, remake? Um, now, those of you in the audience that don't know, you're probably wondering, who the heck is he? He made Metal Gear Solid. Awesome, awesome game. He also was on... Also, I do this because he was in the works of making a Silent Hill game. So, let, I want to hear... Rest in peace. Rest in peace, that yeah. game. It looked like it was going to be amazing. <laughs> it was going to be amazing, but... Darn you, Konami, you suck. Um, which is not sponsored by Konami because they suck. Um, so... I wouldn't have yeah, a sponsor like that. <laughs> I, I hate Konami and I hate Capcom. Uh, so let's go. So for this, so for this fight, let us start with Scott. Okay, for this one, I chose uh, a fairly recent game, Mad Max. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with Tom this time. Well, yeah, let's go with Tom. All right. I went in the same. I'm glad you mentioned Metal Gear Solid because I went in a similar vein and went with the 90s classic, Duke Nukem. Okay, Duke! Love me some Duke Nukem. Yeah. Kim? So, for this question, I felt that we need his magic touch on the original Sonic the Hedgehog. We, we need him to take Sonic in a new direction and bring that franchise back. Oh, God. I really want to hear this fight. Um, I, all right, I'm ready to go. Them start with uh, um, we're going to start with, um, I'm gonna, you know what? We can go ahead. Huh? Yeah. I'm ready? To yep. Go ahead. All right. Let's go fight. Tell me what you, tell me about why first and then fight. Okay. Uh, Mad Max is a series that is known for a lot of really strange characters and a lot of cool action which I think is something that is similar to the Metal Gear games. You've got a lot of really weird characters out there. Uh, the character of Raiden became just weirder and weirder as the series went on. Uh, the, the multiple clones, uh, just the Vamp from MGS2. you got a lot of really weird characters in there, so that's perfectly fit for the Mad Max uh, world. Uh, also in the last Metal Gear game, we saw a lot of those great like desert vistas which, again, fits perfectly in Mad Max's uh, apocalypse. And just 
I want to see uh, Kojima kind of step out of his wheelhouse a little bit. You know, he has that, he does a lot of the sneaking around type of espionage type games. And Mad Max would not be that at all. You get a lot of cars, you get a lot of uh, fighting, you get a lot of action. And I want to see his take on that. All right, keep going. Uh, let's go with Tom. Tom. Okay, so to paraphrase Cinema Sins, obvious answer is obvious. So we're com we're combining a genre that could, that Kojima does best, which is the shooting game, and you're combine and you're bringing back what's at the height right now of '90s nostalgia. Doom came back to a monstrous welcoming last year. So now it's time we bring back Doom's little brother, Duke Nukem. And, ba and basically, we, we can use Kojima's magic with Metal Gear Solid, the sneaking around, and throw a bumbling idiot 90s action hero in there, and ridiculousness is going to ensue. Can you imagine Duke Nukem crawling around in a box trying to, and trying to hide and infiltrate a situation, and then Middle of the middle of the room, he just throws away the box and says, "Fuck it, I'm gonna shoot all of you," and then just goes nuts on everyone. This is the insanity that's going to ensue with Kojima's Duke Nukem. Okay, Kim, I really want to hear this dang pitch. <laughs> um, tell me why he should do Sonic the Hedgehog. I, I want to know this. Okay, as Scott mentioned, thanks, Scott. Getting him out of his wheelhouse is something that we want to see and nothing would push him further from his wheelhouse than Taking the reins of Sonic the Hedgehog the original Sonic the Hedgehog was a very simplistic story It was you know linear gameplay minimal. Yeah, there's a villain but where Kojima really shines is the ability to make a story deep we saw with Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast that adding a plot element to Sonic improves it immensely the Dreamcast version was a limited amount of plot, but it did greatly enhance that world, and he can take it 10 steps further because the core story of Sonic the Hedgehog is nature versus industry. Robotnik with his you know, military-industrial complex, like Kojima's well-versed in dealing with, versus Sonic, who's trying to rescue all those small critters that he's trapped inside his different little robot army and, and trapped in the capsules at the end of every level. That's well within the territory that he loves to go deep into and put a message into the game about, you know, nature versus industry and, and that battle between the two sides and really giving Robotnik depth as a villain beyond just, I'm going to get you, Sonic. Like, you can really immerse yourself into a world. And for someone who traditionally has done slow, methodical stealth games, giving him Sonic, which is pure speed... Like, that is what Sonic is all about, is, is giving that sensation of pure speed and navigating the maps at a high velocity and, and bouncing around and taking the twists and turns and navigating the pathways. Putting him, putting that in his hands and letting him really stretch himself into that sort of a gameplay would just be absolutely fantastic, in my opinion. Okay. All right. Fight! Okay, uh, I think that like Kim said, Kojima's uh, biggest strength is in his storytelling, which I don't think you're going to be able to get a lot of in the Sonic game or in uh, a Duke Nukem game, which are they're 
very basic type of game. And they're very, uh, Duke Nukem especially is very like, it winks at the audience. It knows what it is. It's very 90s style action hero game. Mad Max is, uh, the series always has a lot more depth behind the ridiculous action, which is something I think that Kojima could add a lot to. You, even without the, the massive amounts of dialogue that he would normally be uh, used to with the Metal Gear games. He can, you know, he can speak through the action of the game. Also, I think it would just be awesome to see him do, like, chase scenes. Okay. So with, so with that on, on Mad Max, you're, you sound like you're trying to add a lot of plot to Mad Max. The beauty in Mad Max is basically the art of everything. The two best Mad Max movies are Thunder, or, uh, sorry, Road Warrior and Fury Road. Those two are immersion-based movies based on visuals, visual storytelling. And, and then when you start adding way too much dialogue and plot, which is, like you said, what Kojima specializes in, then you're going to start becoming Thunderdome. Yeah, but that's, that's not what I want. I want to do something where he's limited on the dialogue so that he can explore new territory, which is something Kojima hasn't really had a chance to do. I think Mad Max would allow for that. Mad Max also bring, also gives you the the more difficult choice, which is trying to design a game around this world. If you create too much of a vast open world, you're going to create a lot of driving around and nothingness because it is a vast apocalypse. If you simplify it down to just your your simple car chase game, you're going to satisfy a lot of movie fans but turn away a lot of regular fans. Mad Max series is maybe even too complex for him to create. It's, it's, it's trying to satisfy a lot of audiences with a single game that I don't think can be done. And I think that the other two games, yours and, uh, and Kim's Choice Sonic, I think they go a little bit too far in the other direction where they're a little bit too uh, childlike and goofy for, something, for somebody like Kojima to take over. I don't know what his take on those types of games would be. They might be a little too dark and they might alienate the original audiences. So even at, yes, Duke is absolutely ridiculous and Kojima generally, generally goes more in the stealthy mission, but you're going to meld the two together. Yes, Duke, Duke is ridiculous. Like I said, he's going to break, break out in the middle of sneaking and take down the entire room. You're going to have the, you're going to have his uh, superiors yelling at him, Duke, you've got to do these missions stealthier. You've got, it's, it's going to be him fighting the general Metal Gear Solid stealth attitude. And you're bringing, you're bringing Duke and his wisecracks, his, ni- his 90s action, and you're putting him in a place where he doesn't belong. And I think Kojima is going to create this world where, again, 90s nostalgia is hot right now. I have to add that. You're going to take. You're going to take this, and you're going to mold it into this beautifully insane marriage. And as far as Sonic goes, I, I agree. It's it's a very simplistic, and Sonic more actually somehow more than Duke Nukem is of its time. Sonic is a side scroller, and that's what it's best at. It goes really fast, and it hits things. So you just start complicating everything. You start adding in characters like Tails. It kind of ruins the magic of the original Sonic, I think. And you, it's kind of a waste of Kojima to go, to go with a speeding hedgehog. 
See, I, I disagree. The, the original Sonic, as well as it worked, as the games progressed, you added in Tails, you added in Knuckles, it added diversity to the gameplay. Yes, it was a side-scroller, as that, that was the genre that it was, but it broke up the pure, I'm just going to run in a straight line nature of the game by adding the element of Tails being able to fly and Knuckles being able to glide and punch through certain walls. Diversity of gameplay, and it absolutely made a smooth transition to three-dimensional when, when originally with the Dreamcast and then moving up into newer generations of systems, they've done three-dimensional Sonic games that still feel fast and still feel dynamic very successfully without having to go back to a two-dimensional style of gameplay. And while the core story of Sonic is simplistic, that's the beauty of it, is you have a very pure concept that he can take and just explode out into whatever he wants to do with. He's not constrained by, well, the games already went in this direction and that direction and this other direction. It's You have the pure concept of Sonic's mission, and you can take it in any direction he wants, and he'll take it in a very interesting direction, guaranteed, because that's his strength as a storyteller. And as far as Duke Nukem goes, as I recall, they already tried to do a 90s nostalgic cash-in with Duke Nukem a few years ago, and that game bombed tremendously bombed you you said oh it's following in the footsteps of doom which was so well received but it didn't follow in its own footsteps which was absolutely rejected by fans as just a complete waste of resources and it was delayed for so many years and so many years and so many years when it finally got put in people's hands it was absolute garbage nobody wanted anything to do with it and i think that burned a lot of uh trust from fans where if you tell them, hey, we got Kojima, he's going to make a Duke Nukem game, people are just going to look at you funny and tell you to go away because they are already burned those bridges and the fan trust Hi. has been spent. Um, okay. Um, great job. Um, man, um, this is this is a good one right here. Uh, I want to know... Now, we all... Listen. Okay. I got to put this. I want to know, what is... The, the moment in your game. What what moment... Okay, hold on. I got a better way. What is the opening of your game? How... Because Kojima does great openings in each of the Metal Gear Solid games. I want to know how would Kojima open each of your games? And I'm going to start with Scott. Uh, I think it would open very similarly to the way Road Warrior opened, which is on uh, a big chase scene. You know, Mad Max is being chased by a group of, you know, crazy outlandish warrior characters in S&M gear. And he, you know, he gets either, he can either get away or he can get captured, depending on the choices that you make within the game. Okay. Uh, Scott? Not Scott, on time, sorry. <laughs> Alright, so the so the opening scene is Duke is now is now is now a special ops and he goes in to the office of his superior where his superior tells him straight up, Duke, this is not the nineties anymore. You can't do you can't do things all cowboy like you used to, running in, cursing at everyone. And shooting everyone down. You've got to do things by the book. You've got to do things secretive. And here, and we've got this evil organization, whatever organization Kojima makes up. And you're going, you're going to have to infiltrate his. You're going to have to infiltrate this unit, and you have to take them down. But you have to minimize the casualties, Duke. Have to. And that's when, 
That's when Duke walks out, closes the door, smile, wink, credits. Okay, all right, all right. Tim? So my game, it's going to open up with a cinematic of Sonic and Tails hanging out in the forest with all the little critters or just hanging out, having a good time. Maybe he busts out his keytar from the cartoon and have a good time. That, that's a joke. They won't actually put that in there. Um, so we have the opening cinematic. They're in the woods. They're hanging out with the critters. Everyone's having a lovely day. Nature is pristine and perfect. And all of a sudden, the robo-carrier comes looming off into the distance, casting a shadow above the forest. Trees are getting knocked over by the the blast from the jet engines keeping it afloat and the forest is animals are scrambling and running everywhere uh sonic and tails are sonic tells tails you need to you know get as many critters to safety as you can go go get them out of here evacuate i'm gonna go and deal with this and so they split off off it cuts to knuckles who sees the robo carrier coming in he takes the chaos emeralds and scatters them across the world for safety reasons because he knows robotnik's coming for them that's his, his mission is to protect them and then it time. Okay. Cal, what you got to say, man? All right, so we're clean again because it's not really much. It's much more of pitches and stuff, so it wasn't really like they're giving me facts besides the one Kim said about the game failing with Duke Nukem, which is true. Um, true. So, Duke Nukem forever. So for me, like I was the most excited to hear Kim's uh, pitch on how Kojima would uh, – yeah, me too. You know, revamp Sonic. Unfortunately, it didn't do anything for me. I, I couldn't I couldn't buy it. Like I couldn't buy it. So for me it was between Tom and Scott. Um and then I looked at like which franchise kind of needs it more. And because I feel like Mad Max just had a recent game, not like you know, relatively recent, and did pretty well. Like it was well received and a good violence. And like I wasn't that far off from like a Kojima game in a way. And to me, I thought it was I went I went to Tom because like I really think Duke 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 Nukem needs a win. And it like like Kim said, like it failed recently the the remake. So maybe take someone like Kojima and have him mold it into a, a better game could like give that franchise finally a win that it deserves. Because you know the original Duke Nukem was so fun to play. Um, you know I really think um, Duke Nukem would uh, benefit the most from a Kojima remake or remake, whatever you want to call it. So for me, I give it to Tom. Okay. Like I said, everybody gave a great argument. Y'all all did well. Um... Like I said, y'all not making this easy on me once again. Why me? Right. Why I gotta be the judge? <laughs> but um, I, I'm the one. I'm the judge because I play the video games. Uh, I agree with what Cal was saying about Kim. I agree with Cal. I was looking forward to yours, but it, it, it just didn't. It just sounded like. You were pitching Sonic 06, and Sonic 06 is a stain on the reality of all gamers, and I don't even utter the name Sonic 06, and it sounded just like that. You just said I it like not. three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely why you're not getting point, because I had to say it six, three times. Uh, <laughs> I, so it comes down between Scott and Tom. Uh, Scott... I love you. I love it. But Tom, I, I, what Cal took it from which one needed more, I went with the arguments. And Tom knocked you down with the fact that Division 
the vision, the vision of that Mad Max is visual storytelling, and Kojima cannot do visual storytelling. He he's not doing it's more like talking because in the, each of the Metal Gear series is about talking. So I would have to go if by, by the arguments, Tom wins. So Tom, you get the point. Not shut out. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, when it comes to the chat. Um, there was a lot of love for Duke Nukem, and then as for Sonic, Tom brought up a not not Z-Man. The other Tom brought up a sexual fantasy for Tails to wish for Amy's pants or something. Um, and it comes down to the poll. We had twenty five percent for Sonic, and then thirty eight percent for Mad Max, and thirty seven percent for Duke Nukem. So it was pretty, oh, pretty, pretty exactly pretty how we tight. had it. Basically. Also, Tom, um, not Tom's and being um, Tom, Tom B. Uh, uh, you might want to play. Uh, don't play Sonic 06 because there's some stuff in that game that you do not want to turn away from. So, um, and hashtag women. Um, hashtag Sonic messing with women. Okay. Uh, well, so with that art horrible image out of my mind, let us go to the final question, um, which is, um, what is the best cell phone game? Um, and I like to say that my girlfriend loves playing cell phone games. So I came up with this answer as much to her. So if you want to know, if, so go, tell me, what is the best cell phone game? And I'm going to start with, um, I'm going to start with the first one I started in the first place, which is Kim. So Kim. So, um, the game that I chose as the best cell phone game, it's the only app I've ever paid for on a cell phone, is the game Threes. It's a puzzle game. It, if you remember a few years ago, there was a game that went viral called 2048, where you were sliding tiles around to combine numbers, one and two, and, or two and fours, and it would double up and double up and double up. Well, that game was a ripoff of this game. This game is, it starts out one plus two makes threes, and then threes and threes make six, and it doubles up from there. And the, the purpose of the game is to get as high as you can, keep combining tiles to make bigger and bigger numbers, and control the board as best you can. It's a lot of territory management and thinking ten, 10 moves ahead, and it's just an absolutely phenomenal puzzle game. And um, I'll tell you why the other ones are crap in a minute. Okay. Um, let's go with Tom. All right. I went with decidedly not a puzzle game, but a free game nonetheless, and went with Injustice, Gods Among Us. Now, so Injustice came out to not only to tie in with the PC game, but also for the console game, but also to be its own entity in settling some of the great debates of our time, which is the DC characters fighting it out. It's it's an incredibly fun storyline. It's addicting. It keeps you coming back, and I will elaborate more on that later. Okay. Scott? Now I went with uh, Angry Birds. Uh, I think everybody knows what Angry Birds is, so I'm not really going to describe it. I don't describe it. <laughs> Angry Birds <laughs> is a game where you use the titular Angry Birds to destroy uh, forts, I guess, that are made up by these evil pigs. And that's it. That's the whole game. <laughs> All right. Do we have to explain it? Um, we already explained everything. Uh, the poll is up right now. Uh, so, Cal, are you ready? 
Yes, sir. Let's go. All right, let's go, people. Alec will fight. So uh, threes is deceptively simplistic. You can learn the mechanics of the game in less than 90 seconds and spend the rest of your life trying to become an expert at it. It's the, it takes, if you've played 2048, a lot of people play that and go, oh, this is so easy. I just keep dragging into the corner and, and I can beat it. This game doesn't let you do that. That, that was a simplistic knockoff of this game. This game is, the board is a lot smarter. It gives you tiles instead of just twos and fours. It gives you uh, ones and twos plus a variety of other tiles in the higher increments. As you get deeper into the game, you can randomly get, you know, 64s and 128s and um, other increments that you have to manage the board to know, okay, if, I, if this pops up, where can I put it that's not going to box me into a corner? It's an original concept, whereas Angry Birds is just a cheap knockoff of Crush the Castle. Uh, you know, uh, you know you, they took a phenomenal Flash game and laid some cartoon birds over it and said, oh, look, we made an original game, threw it on, on cell phones and made a fortune off of it. Good for them for making money, but they ripped off an existing concept in order to make it. And as far as Injustice goes, yes, it's free, but it's really only a value if you bought the game. And it's just... Not at all. It's quick time events. What what kind of a what kind? How much fun can you get out of just doing quick time events over and over? I've I've looked through some of the gameplay and it's there's just combos just to you know move in this direction, slide up, slide right. There's a lot of this nonsense going on, and you're not really settling debates about which heroes are best because they're not fighting in any kind of realistic context. You just have a scaled down version of injustice. If you want to really see these heroes duke it out, you'd play the 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 real version of the game and not the scaled down cell phone that's supposed to give you items and boosts and things for the real version of the game. Like it, it just, I don't see the value in it as a standalone cell phone game. The only, the only thing that I've provided to the real game is various different types of outfits. That's literally it. It, it had a lot more characters than the console game. I could argue it's more fun than the actual game. The actual game turns into a, ton of button mashing, and you end up, which is, yes, very similar but to the mobile game, but the mobile game at least has the courtesy to lean into it. it unlike these other two games, this one actually has an actual, an actual storyline. You keep fighting through these, these uh, various fights to get to the final boss. In the end, you fight, uh, you fight a powered-up Batman, and it actually gives you the satisfaction of taking down Batman, beating the game, which, unlike threes, actually gives you the satisfaction of finishing. And what, what it does to keep you involved is its various online play. Now, you, can buy, you could buy the game and get the cute little outfits for the regular game, but the mobile game has, area, has various characters and skins that the actual game didn't have and it kept you into the game by adding these characters later on as online challenges where you competed against other other people and to, to rack up the highest score in online fights you're fighting their teams with computer characters so you're fighting actual char actual people with their actual teams taking them down to win whatever new character they come out with so they keep you they keep you involved they have limited microtransactions with the with the coin system, but if you keep if you just keep hammering on long enough, which sad to say I did, I was 
I was pretty addicted for a while. You will gain those credits yourself and be able to hang, you'll actually be able to hang with everyone online and be able to stay towards the top. Whereas Angry Birds or Spying Birds there, Scott, let's, uh, we're not gonna, I have to bring up that controversy that Angry Birds kind of stole your data there, bro. Came out, it was $3 for an iPad app, by the way. That included many different microtransactions for its freemium content. So you can get your cute little birds, pay, pay for the birds with the special powers to kill the little piggies. Now, but isn't that one of the marks of a great uh, like cell phone game? One that uh, rips you off? Gets you, yeah, pretty <laughs> yeah, much. Rip you I, I don't, I don't think that, so. One that, one that you keep playing so much that you're willing to spend money on it. But besides that, this game is, first off, the only one of these other two games that has a movie. Uh, and don't say that Injustice is basically a BVS movie, because that's not, that's not the case. So Angry Birds movie is a plus to you? I am, because it has accessibility that these other two games don't have. Injustice is really only fun if you like Mortal Kombat games or if you like superheroes. Uh, Threes is only good if you like math. And I don't want to do math in my, uh, my cell phone games. Yeah. That, is, that is a complete, complete mischaracterization of threes. It's not a math game. But you have, to do, you have to do some math if you want to be good at it. The bigger yeah. numbers go into the bigger numbers. You match, it's, a, it's a matching game. It, yeah, but you need to... You need to there's, there's a certain level of strategy into it that Angry Birds doesn't require. Angry Birds is so simplistic, it, anybody can play it. Anybody can play it, and they can keep playing it over and over and over again, which people have proven that they are if, willing to if do. They, if they buy the level packs, because you run out of levels. No, you can, get, you can get all kinds of free variations of it. Like, there's the Star Wars version, there's the, uh, the Rio version, the Space version. There's all different types of variations that you can keep playing, including a sequel to the original Angry Birds, Angry Birds 2. So you then pay for their sweet, sweet freemium content as you blissfully send your credit card and identity away or the wonderful spying gods. But that's not really any different from your game, at, at maybe less so with threes, because I don't think there's an online aspect of it. But I didn't pay a dime for mine, so no my credit card information. I didn't pay a dime on Angry Birds either, so you, know, you can play the game and play it free completely. Now you can, but when it originally came out, that was paid, and that's how it made its money, that's how it got big, and then it became free after said spying controversy. So everyone mm -hmm. that purchased that game their purchase, their purchase, their payment information is now gone. Well, yeah, but you could say the same thing about people who play on uh, on PlayStation online. You know, their information gets stolen all the time. Should they stop playing PlayStation online games? No. If, if Angry Birds is a game that you enjoy, just because your information got stolen shouldn't necessarily keep you from playing the game. And I know how ridiculous that sounds. Yeah, it's especially ridiculous when you figure that with Sony, it was an external entity that hacked in and stole the data. Whereas with Angry Birds, it was literally Angry Birds stealing your data. Okay, you Facebook know. does that too. No, Facebook monetizes your data, and they tell you up front if you read the fine print that they're about to do it. Is that better? And, uh, debatable. <laughs> but yeah. it still gets down to Angry Birds is just a knockoff of an existing game. They took a core concept that was proven and fun, and they said, well, we're just going to slap a price tag on this and monetize the crap out of it and hope nobody notices that this Flash game has already done all of the legwork for us. Time. Right. Uh, goodness gracious. This is, this is getting very, very violent. Um, 
<clears throat> so uh let us let's get to the final arguments people i want to know one thing and one thing only um why is yours the best that's it kim start with you as a puzzle game it has infinite replayability there's no limitation to the levels it's always push yourself to a higher score push yourself to a higher score the concept is extremely easy to grasp i've literally handed my phone with this game open to my six-year-old niece and she was able to pick it up and get how the sliding the tiles and combining them together worked she can't make it as far as i can but she's able to play the game and access that puzzle is accessible to her just as much as it is a challenge to adults who want to push themselves to the limit it's an original concept that was ripped off because of how good it was. And it's, I mean, you never, you can never get tired of it. Like no matter how good you get, there's always a little bit further that you can push yourself. Okay. Um, Tom. So injustice is the best because it's because well, for a lot of the things that Kim said, because it has continued improvements with new characters. It keeps, it keeps you going not only, with the fights, but with the strategy, once you start getting into the online play, you can you have to start matching up your teams to fight to fight various types of characters. You have to set up your online team to make sure you can defend when the computer takes over and tries to ran and just tries to take your team to hell. It it keeps adding new characters, new challenges. It keeps you coming back. It's fun. It's simple. You can get fights done really quickly. It's not, it's not like you're sitting there extending on the toilet because you're trying to get through something. You, the fights are over pretty quickly, and it just it keeps you going with not only its strategy, but it's fun, and it's new characters. Okay. Scott? Okay. Some of the best games ever are great because of their simplicity which is something that Angry Birds shares in that. Just because it's like another game that came before it doesn't mean that it doesn't have value on its own. If it didn't, people wouldn't be playing it. Now, Angry Birds is the most accessible, I think, because uh, I'm going to one-up Kim's uh, six-year-old with uh, I've seen somebody as young as three playing uh, Angry Birds because it's literally just swipe, pull back, and shoot. It's the simplest game out of all of these games, most people have played this game out of all of these games. And it say what you will about the movie, but it got a movie made out of it. And it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't a popular game. Okay, Anton. Cal, the human cheat code. My game genie. What you got, buddy? Oh, yeah. So they, once again, they're completely clean with what they said. They had good facts about uh, what games they ripped off and what games got ripped <laughs> off by them. Goodness gracious, uh, Kim. Can we get, can y'all at least lie? God. <laughs> um, sorry. It's all right. It makes my job easy. Uh, <laughs> so for me, I honestly, I'm sorry, Tom, but I had to dismiss you right away because I feel like the heart of the game of a, the Injustice game is like the console game. And like, I don't see it. Like, I know this is like a companion type game for it, but I, I really don't see that as being like the best cell phone game in my honest opinion. Um, so for me, it became between um, Scott and Kim. And they both had really good arguments, I thought. Um, the, the, what, the funny thing was when Scott said, like, oh, you, you, you got to do, like, math, and I don't want to use math on my cell phone just to play a game. But then, like, you know, Kim came back saying, like, your game's a ripoff of, of a basic, you know, um, I forgot what game she said, like, Castle Crash or whatever it was. Um, 
original. So I mean, it was just really good back and forth between them. I think. I I don't I don't see how the um the uh hacking thing should go against him in any way. I don't see that. But uh, I think I think Kim takes this one just because the just her game is like an original, and I feel like there's more to it. Like you can go further and like all these other possible combinations. Whereas Angry Birds, you know, like you said, there is different skins and all that, but it's all essentially the same game over. And you know, so I would have to give this one to Kim. Okay. Oh, <clears throat> I have the arguments right now. Uh, Cal, um, I got to disagree with you on certain things, but we don't see eye to eye on certain things. Okay. Let's go with the arguments here. Um, Scott, let's go with who didn't do it on the um, To me, the person who got knocked out was Scott. They, they hounded Scott. Uh, Scott, the fact that being paid and ripped off I ripped off. I basically put an X, and then, and then the spy count, the spy, spy gate. Um, and, um, buddy, when you brought up the Angry Bears movie, I, I was sitting there thinking, what the heck are you talking about? Uh, so, um, I'm sorry, Scott. You got, I got to knock you out on this one. Uh, as far, it came down to me between threes and injustice, and Scott was right. I. I don't want it. That's the main thing you don't want to do on the phone. Is let me be. Let me first say this. I don't like any of these games. I'm gonna be completely honest. But if I want to play a game, I'm going to. I'm going to play Injustice, and I gotta go with Tom on this because Tom not only knocked down Kim with like I don't want to play numbers and all that. His game actually is he like i said the fact that scott said something about the payment because i originally was gonna thank scott but then they y'all just pounded him and then kim kim got knocked out with nobody gonna do math it's tom there's no um, math there is no math it's tom it's <laughs> tom that is the biggest it's lie I, I have spoken <laughs> those are alternative facts I'm, I'm with you kim i believe in your game I I I, I, I just I'm not sorry. Only, not only do I believe in your game, um, Corey also believes that Kim game should have won, and uh, Tom does. Well, I guess Tom vote goes with Tom because he says the best part of the uh, Injustice mobile game is getting unlockable costumes, but that doesn't count because both names are Tom, so it could be the same person. We don't even. Know. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the poll, the poll. Oh crap! It just changed. Damn it. <laughs> Sixty percent originally, sixty percent had threes and forty percent had injustice. Now, I think both Toms just conspired again, and now it's fifty-seven percent injustice, forty-three percent threes, and zero percent for Angry Birds. Yeah, I'm I sorry. Right I, the I, audience I, on my side. I, I'm sorry. I'm going by the arguments. Yeah, that's fine. No, no, I'm just saying. Yeah, they. I went by the arguments. By the arguments, they knocked Kim down. Spying um, and theft shouldn't count. That's not fair. That's why. I, that's why I, 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 agree, I agree with you. But, but I guess, yeah, but Scott, you brought up Angry Birds the movie. I, not, that's a positive. It got that, a movie that's not a positive. That's how, that's how popular the game was, is what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah but that movie is not. It wasn't about the quality honest. of the movie. It was about the popularity of the game. Popularity well, is always best, man. I accept your accent. All right. Well. <laughs> Avatar was once the highest grossing film of all time, by the way. Popular isn't always best. Well, it's still getting four more movies or whatever. <laughs> All right, uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, Tom surprisingly is 
Doc is going to the speed round. And oh, goodness gracious. Cal, you know what it's time for. Yeah, because we have a tie, we have to get ready for rapid fire and get ready to take cover. Take cover. Um, so Cal's going to our two contestants what happened. So if, Scott and Kim, if you haven't watched it before, you're going head to head. Um, the person who gets the most right will we'll probably have three questions. Uh, the first of two wins, so best of three, I guess. If you have one that doesn't, uh, that neither of you can get, we'll probably add more. But uh, we'll start off with three. But you'll get one at a time. You, whoever guesses it first, guesses it correctly first, uh, gets the point, and you only get one guess per image. So you'll be given an image of a um, video game cover oh, from any any, any um, genre or any platform, any time. Oh. So all the way back to, you know, caveman days. And whoever guesses it first, so Max going to watch for whoever guesses it first, and that person will get the point. But is, is, the, is the title on the cover? Because that would be nice. <laughs> uh, oh, somewhat, somewhat, you'll see. I, if you do, don't get do the first we, one, do we like buzz in? Or? No, just, just scream it out. And then just, uh, just scream it out. First, and then first Max will watch to see who gets it first, okay? And congratulations to Tom for moving on to the final. Mm -hmm. All right, so here we go. First one, you guys, is Kim, are you ready? Uh, yeah. Scott, are you ready? Yes. Okay, here we go. Get ready to take cover. Here's your first clue. Original Sonic the Hedgehog. Dang! Wait, wait, wait. Sonic the Hedgehog, right? too. Yep. <laughs> yes, the original Sonic the Hedgehog. You Kim. are correct. So Kim gets one oh. point. So, okay. um, Scott, you need us to stay in. So here comes, you guys ready for the second one? Here comes the second one. Three, two, one. Here's your clue. Ooh. Can you bring that up again? Oh, yeah, I got to keep talking. Oh, Matt, Matt uh, you can lock Mario, it in. Oh, no, no. He, Mario Kart 64. Oh, what, what did Kim say? Because I heard Kim first. I, I said Mario Kart 64. Yeah, and then and Scott yeah. said Mario Kart. Mm -hmm. And the answer is Mario Kart 64. So congratulations, Kim. You win two rounds. So you are moving on to the final. Sorry, Scott. Sorry, Scott. Scott, good matchup. Good that one, was, that was not that was not easy. I, <laughs> I'm so uh, glad I, I didn't have to do that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, really because I came up but, with it. But I love it. Yeah, it is awesome. Uh, Scott, uh, well, buddy, you ran out of quarters. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, it's been nice, man. Um, at as in the woods of Regis filming, uh, I can't give you any money, but I can shake your hand. And you can get the heck off my show. So. And all right, so I don't, I don't remember him saying that. Well, uh, we just well, say that a lot. We're, we're uh, gonna keep around because he's gonna he, he'll have a vote for the final rounds if we need be. So yes, yes, yes. he he's gonna be our third vote. So uh, and the words of fire, and so it's as now I'm acting like Breach is filming. It is time to do what we like to call Cal. What do we call it now? In our head-to-head -head final, where our player one goes against player two, we call a segment. PVP. PVP. And PVP is where we do um, player versus player. So, like we did the last week, um, we had some complaints. Um, so, we're going to up the ante a little bit with this. Um, so, I'm going to give you a few seconds. So, don't look up anything. Kim, I'm looking at you. Tom, don't look anything. Uh, so, uh, I want you to pick... What is your favorite game character? Quickly. What game character did you pick? Pick a, pick a game character, not your favorite character. 
Pick a gang character. Al Katan. Katarn. Katarn. Kyle Katarn. From Al Katar? Kyle Katarn from, from, from the Jedi, Jedi Knight series. Okay. Yep. Correct? Is that what you're talking about? Like the one from the video? Yep. Uh, right? From yeah, Alcast right? and the uh, yep. Academy. Yep. Um, I'll choose Kratos from God of War. Okay. Okay. Kratos. Okay. All right. Your question is, what game, which one of these game player characters will win a death battle? Fight it out. So the Force is great and everything, but Kratos is the god of war. He's literally a god. You can't kill him by normal means. He's empowered by, by having stolen weapons and abilities from various other mythological uh, Greek myth. You know, he stole Icarus's wings. He's stolen uh, Prometheus's fire. All these different abilities from various other gods. He's as souped up as souped up he can get. You can for try to force throw him all you want. He's going to stomp you into the ground. There's just no doubt about it. It, it's literally God mode versus a half-baked Jedi. Okay. Well, good thing Kyle is more of a uh, shadow Jedi, so he does not have just force push with him. He can use the dark side powers, such as force lightning, force choke. He can empower himself using force rage. He can, he can take all of the dark force powers and use that against Kratos. Yes, Kratos is a god. But we've seen we've seen gods fall before, and we can see gods fall once once Katarn really harnesses the dark side powers that he has at hand and takes down takes down Kratos with his lightsaber. If the literal god of thunder and lightning couldn't stop Kratos, I don't think Force Lightning's gonna get the job done. He took on Zeus, he took on Ares, he's immortal. The only reason gods fell was because Kratos was the one who was knocking them down. I, there's just no way, Shadow Jedi or not, you can throw any force powers you want at him. It's just not going to happen. And even, even trying to mind trick him into killing himself isn't going to do the trick because his mind is so twisted from the visions that he has of his wife and child and having accidentally been tricked into killing them. Like you're you're not going to mind trick him either. There there's no mental or physical game you can throw at Kratos that he's not going to just stomp over top of. So Kratos, even by Kratos taking down all these gods, you're admitting that god that gods can fall. Yes, Kratos has been taking them down, but gods can fall. And you mentioned Ares, who is actually the god of war. So Kratos, while powerful, can eventually can fall. Yes, you can throw. Force lightning at him, and he's not—he's not unstoppable. The, the gods go down all the time. You can the lightsaber chop his head off. I don't really think he's going to be coming back without a head. I would need fact checking on that one. But if Katarn, Katarn is able to speed things up faster than Kratos can react, which you can do in the Jedi Academy games, you still you use force speed, come up, slice his head off. I don't—he's coming back from that. Okay. All right. Um, I want to get your. I'm gonna want you to give me some final thoughts. Why would your Why would your character win in a death battle? And I'm gonna start with Kim on this one. So we've covered godlike powers. We've covered strength, 
We've covered Arsenal, diversity of weapons and items at his disposal. He's got Medusa's head to turn Kyle to stone if he wants to. He's got all these other trick bags and uh, tricks in his bag on his tool belt. But the other advantage that he has is range. Kyle, what he's going to throw his lightsaber, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Now he's disarmed. Kratos has his blades on chains. He's never without his weapons. He can attack at a long distance before Kyle can, you know, use his force speed to close the distance. It, Kratos just has him at every step of combat you can think of short of, I mean, not even short of, because he, he has Artemis's bow to go full long range. He can take Kyle out for, before he's even on the battlefield. There's just no way that Kyle is going to be able to um, get the job done against Kratos. All right. Uh, Tom. So, well, yes, once Kyle throws his lightsaber, he's at, without his conventional weapon. He has a mastery of both sides of the force, which gives him the ability not only to attack, but also to defend. So when he doesn't have that lightsaber, he can protect himself with a force shield. He can deflect all of Kratos' attacks with his chains and his blades using the force. Every deflection, he can build, and Medusa's head, as far as Medusa's head, that is no effect on him, because a Jedi especially one as powerful as Master, Master Katarn, he does not need his eyes. He can, he can fight without vision. He can fight without his lightsaber. He, has, he only has his mastery of the Force from both the light and the dark side with both power, with both attack and defense. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, good fight. Uh, Cal, I'm going to start with you. Uh, I think uh, one more thing to add for fact-checking, like this shouldn't go towards the argument, I'm just saying this is a fact-checking thing, so don't add this to any argument, but I'm pretty sure Kyle Katarn also had um, weapons too, like he had guns and all that, because it's the Dark Forces game, right? So he had like everything, he had a blaster pistol, he had like a rocket, he had everything, so don't forget that, because I, I liked how Kim brought up, like he had like, um, what's his name, Kratos had like Medusa's head, you know, he had, he had like a lot of stuff too, so like, you should have used more of the repertoire of what Kalkatron... I know you're focusing mostly on the Jedi powers and his lightsaber, but he also had a plethora of weapons as well, so that was just a fact-checking thing. Um, as, for the, uh, as for the argument, um, I mean, like, yeah, like, I, who wouldn't want to be a Jedi? But, when, like, why be a Jedi when you can be a god, right? That's what I say. Because, like, freaking Kratos beat, like, every single god on Olympus, and he beat the Titans as well. So, mm -hmm. like, it's pretty hard to like beat that. Even if you are a Jedi and like you have powers, I feel like Kratos has a way. Like he just not doesn't stop. And even like when he dies, he comes back. He came back, right? Well, he died and he did come back. So like, I mean, not an argument. What? It wasn't. That wasn't using the arguments. Okay, yeah, that's not an argument. I'm just saying, for my in my opinion, I, that's why I'm saying I feel that um, he died. Yeah, I think Kratos would win just because he's beaten Titans, he's beaten gods, and he always finds a way to beat anybody he fights. You know, no matter what, like he's mystified with. You know, he always wins. So that's why I would go with Kim for Kratos. All right. Uh, Scott, what you got? What you think? Uh, yeah, I'd have to echo a lot of what Cal said. Uh, yeah, Kratos has come back. But yeah, like Tom said, that wasn't using the argument. Uh, but based on the arguments, there was a lot more made for uh, why the Kratos would be a better warrior. Uh, there were a lot of uh, the past battles that he's fought brought up. As opposed to Kyle Katarn, we didn't hear a lot about like who he's defeated, which has prepared him for this. Uh, and also the, the lack of weapons brought up versus Kratos having Artemis' bow, Medusa's head, and so on. Uh, yeah, so I'd have to go with Kim. 
All right. Um, she didn't win. You didn't win yet, Kim. I gotta give you the ultimate vote, and I gotta like finalize this mess. Um, I'm really, re just to say something. I'm really, really upset that none of you used the erection argument. Um, we have said at the beginning of the show the erection argument wins. I'm I'm automatically at a disadvantage in that <laughs> category. I don't I don't think that's very fair to weight that strongly. I, <laughs> Just yeah, I, I'm, just, I'm, 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 just I'm filing. Saying, I'm filing a formal objection to that category. It, it's, it's, I'm just saying. With that said, uh, like I said, Kratos. Kratos' uh, direction would have beaten. Um, how's that? Would've yeah, yeah, he would have. Yeah, I, I like that. That's what you're saying. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I really Which actually like did. I, it, it, there was a battle where you like have sex. I think just with Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was oh. that was awesome. Um. <laughs> Not in the War. argument, though. Yeah, not in the argument. Um, I'm gonna go play some God of War after this. Yeah, there's, um, there's that that whole scene at the like mini quick time event at the beginning too, where you could, um, there's the ladies in the bed and you could knock the vase off the the bedside yeah, yeah. table. Yeah, and this <laughs> Every, is, everyone I, loved that mini game. Yeah, I love that mini game. But with with that said, I'm gonna take the arguments, Tom. He, that that is awesome. I heard all about the force and what the force can do. But you didn't argue it well, because I wanted to hear you say because, like Star Killer did a lot of amazing things in that in, in that star in the Star Wars Force Unleashed. And I was I was hoping you could say, well, he's stronger than Star Killer. I needed to get a get a leap and bounds, but you never gave that to me. You never gave me a, a, you know, a structure of what he is stronger than, you. and I didn't hear that. Um, but Kim. He's a guy. He took down. Uh, you're right. He took down everybody. And I mean, at the at the end of the game, at the beginning of the game, he literally took down Zeus. He was on top of Mount Olympus, killed Zeus dead. So, I agree. I got to get this to Kim. Kim, you are the winner for today. Yay! Yeah, um, the poll had. Uh, so you know, the poll had it fifty-fifty. Wow, really. really. Mm. But uh, Kim, uh, will you come back later in the year to take on um, Tom for the championship? Because I know you want another belt. The other Tom. I, oh, I was like, I just did. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I call Tom Zambito Z-Man. It makes uh, me. Oh. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm. I'm always. Uh, you're. I'm still waiting on you to mail me my other one. <laughs> oh, don't worry. That's not coming. Um, it's, when I beat you, I'll have it. But anyway. <clears throat> Uh, uh, people's champs here. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, seeing that you won, you get the plug first. So, what's your plug? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Kim Hanley. Um, I'm there most of the time, even when I'm not supposed to be. Uh, so you can come and interact with me. I tweet heavily about Game of Thrones on Sundays and Mondays, and um, gamer. Uh, not gamer fights. We're doing that right now. Um, TV fights on Tuesdays, movie fights on Thursdays, and just trying to, uh, you know, get out there and have some good conversation with people. Okay, cool, cool. All right, uh, Tom's Tom Z, you came in strong. You, you said I'm not gonna fight. I think you, I think you pulled a fast one on me, buddy. You're better <laughs> than what I thought. <laughs> so, so give me some plugs, man. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Road Raider Three. Uh, I have a show coming up this Sunday with, uh, I believe, your mate Corey Williams. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're doing 
We're doing the death proof on my show, Cars and Popcorn, so that'll be real fun coming up this Sunday. Haven't quite settled on a time yet, but uh, we're going to go on a little break for a while, but uh, always tweet at me new ideas. I'm welcome to anything. And of, like Kim said, during TV fights and movie fights and all that other stuff, just interact. But not on Sundays because I don't watch Game of Thrones. Also, I will be on your show. Um, I don't know when, but I'll be on there and we're going to talk about Wacky Races. Um, I love that cartoon. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, Scott. Uh, you can find me at Jubaka Defense on Twitter. Uh, like these guys, I'm on the TV fights, movie fights all the time. Uh, I'm also on Bucks Classics with Mac, as well as the Robotech podcast with Mac and Kim. Um, Oh, also, I forgot to ask you to Tom, Scott, y'all want to come back on this show too? Yeah, definitely. Tom? I, I will freely flail around as I try to fight RPG games. Oh, my goodness. Tom, you did good, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no RPG questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, all right. All right. And my game genie, my the human cheat code, Cal, round of applause for you, buddy. Uh, great, great live show. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it was well done. Great fight by everybody, man. Like, I really had like, I feel like this is we had great arguments all throughout. Like, I think it was just what how you guys knocked other people down is what swayed my vote, in my opinion. Uh, but all you guys put up really great um, arguments, so that was great. The, and the the poll is still fifty fifty for the finals, just so you know. So, um, you can yeah. find me at like I think you see it right underneath me. Am I pointing at it? I think I'm pointing at it. Yeah, yeah um, you are. At, at Vu and at Night's Watch Tube, um, which, you know, we do a Game of Thrones recap. So, Kim, like you said, you're a Game of Thrones fan. Come check us out. I think you probably have already. Uh, mm-hmm. Every Tuesday night at 9 p.m., I'm on Shape channel doing the Night's Watch Tube. We have a really big announcement, a very important announcement we're going to make tomorrow. Um, and I think some of you who follow me on Twitter have already seen it, but if you haven't, uh, you'll see the announcement tomorrow. Um, and then next week, my uh, other show, the wrestling show, comes back. Uh, after Matt. So we're going to be recapping SummerSlam with Delisha and Eric because uh, we're actually going to the NXT pay-per-view on Saturday. We're not going to SummerSlam because it's like 10 times the, the price or something. So we're not going to go, but we're actually going to go to NXT and we'll probably recap that as well. And speaking of wrestling, I just had to say with the flannel on right now and the beard, Scott is really pulling off the Mick Foley look right now. I, <laughs> I know, right? I Deadpool shirt on, which could be like the Have a Nice Day shirt that he wears with the happy face, but I think you have a Deadpool or something shirt on underneath that. Oh, it's fifth Element. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw some circles. So I wasn't sure what it was, but yeah. So maybe we can get him on the show as Mick Foley as a guest, and we'll be like, oh, we got Mick Foley on tonight, and he could just yeah. it right now. I will uh, find my dirtiest suck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, thank you, fighters. It's a great fight. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, I'm hoping um, Rick Flair gets well yeah. soon. Um, he he, we heard something about him. Hope you get well, Rick. Um, Nature Boy, um, more love to you. Uh, um, also, um, I'm like I said, I'm Matt Poole. I am the creator. Um, I'm co-creator because I'll okay, I don't want no no um, create co-creativity of the show, but. He he actually is sort of the he is the co-creator of the show. I always give him that honor. Um, also, we have a new producer, um, Joe Davis. He's our producer. Um, he's gonna help us out. He's gonna he's gonna straighten the show out. So he's our new producer. Shout out to Joe Davis. And um, uh, um, like I said, uh, come follow us at uh, Game. Follow at us GG Game Fixers. GG Game Fixers. Uh, follow us there. Do, I, do, I, need, you do are, I need to make you a, another one of those overlays for that one? 
Yes, Kim. Yeah, he has the overlay. He just added right here on the bottom. He didn't do it. No, no, no. There's a big, bigger overlay. She's got something that she can do. Uh, but I, I enjoy doing this. We will be back uh, the 5th of September with another live show. Um, might be the 5th or the 4th. I don't know. I'm making sure because I'm probably going to be out of town Labor Day. I don't know. But we're, gonna, we're, we're coming back one of those two days. So get ready. Um, and um, if you want to come on the show, if you're watching live right now and you want to come to the show, come on this show and argue because I know a lot of you are arguing right at this moment. It's a lot harder Tell when us. you're on the camera, though. I'll tell you that. Huh? It's a lot harder when you're on the camera in the hot seat. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but come on. We would love to have you. Um, I know you're arguing in the comments below. Come on. We would love to have you. Um, so follow me, um, follow me, tweet at me, tell me what you think. And uh, anyway, I, like I said, I love all the fighters. Um, we're going to have a championship fight soon. Um, and um, like I said, go watch iShape Panel. Um, they're cool. Love them. Go watch the Tech Podcast. Go watch. Go subscribe to their channels. Go subscribe. Like I said, go subscribe to Joe and Ashley's channel. They're pretty cool. Subscribe everybody that I follow. I, I have subscribed on my channel. That would be great, people. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm the Buck fan, and I advise all y'all to be safe, keep playing games, and be yourself, people. And we'll see you in September. Later. Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Matt Poole of Game, host of Game Regrets, a person that you've been hearing the whole time. Um, if you like this show, please like, subscribe to the iTunes channel. Also, go to the Game Fixers show, Game Fixers channel on YouTube, and subscribe there. We're trying to get, we're trying to build the channel up. So if you go subscribe and get us noticed, more people will get us noticed. The more we'll get noticed. The more, you know, we could probably make money and probably get a bigger building and better sound. So go to the Game Fixers, subscribe. Also, we're we're we don't do we maybe do this on iTunes, but we do the show live every other Monday. But we'll post it up on Twitter. But if you're wondering what it what happens on Twitter, go follow if you're wondering where we're gonna post the next show, follow us at TG Game Fixers at twitter.com or go to the Game Fixers and we'll post it up right there. So, thank you for listening. Love all you. And, as I always say, be um, thanks for watching. Be yourself. And keep playing games. And game on. See you.